Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. We are uh, not deep. We're still in the shallow end of the OC. But we're diving in. We're starting to learn about things that happened over the past five months. I'm wondering if we're starting to get a an, a vision of the fourth season of the OC. Because, wow, was this episode even wildly different from last episode. There was a big tonal shift. Things ha- Like, I normally only write, like, two pages of notes for the OC. Yeah. Three pages for Riverdale. Two for the OC. Yeah. Oh, no, I went on to the third page with this one. Oh, yeah. It's, it's getting to the point where I'm bringing up things that are... That are honestly Riverdale things. <laughs> there were like a lot of short scenes and almost every scene has two notes because a thing is set up and then a second thing is revealed. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, in, it's in the zone that we've experienced before. The zone of where, where every scene is so tight and moving so fast that you think that it means like, oh man, they're really doing a good, efficient use of time. I, but somehow they're also not. <laughs> I was thinking about this. I was on a walk today, and I was thinking about Riverdale. Not Riverdale. The OC. No, I go on walks and think about Riverdale a lot. I mean, I do that too, but... Just every time. Sidebar. So I'm doing projects for school. (laughs) You are... This is already a sidebar. Are you sidebarring a sidebar? Yeah, yeah. We're stepping, like, over a sand dune. You have two of those, and then we're back at the regular bar. So. Okay. For school, um, our project right now is, like, teaching and learning in higher education. Yeah. Uh, so we were like, my myself and my partner were like spiraling down a discussion of like, what are we going to talk about? And we thought like, burnout, maybe disillusionment of students and teachers, creating the learning environment. And then that Mr. Honey episode happened. <laughs> and I was like, um, Natasha, I'm just feeling a lot of feels right now. <laughs> I really don't like this episode of a TV show that like glorifies... Let's talk, let's talk about the negative side of results-only education. Results-only-based results, results only based educa- education? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah results-based, um, competency-based, um, performance-based, and also, like, glorifying tough love in the classroom. Because what we've eventually decided to do is, like, vulnerability and courage in the classroom. Yeah. And so I was like, look, I don't think this episode will make any sense without any context. <laughs> But I want you to watch it. So I don't think we can show it to our <laughs> colleagues, but please watch it. Please please watch just this one episode. And I mean, I mean, you want to watch this episode and these select scenes from earlier episodes. And then you want to listen to my podcast. The, the, pro- the problem is if you just watch the Mr. Honey episode, you have no reason to disbelieve what Miss Bell says. So she comes in. And she didn't speak to me about the episode for, like, several days. We talked about their stuff. Yeah. And then we decided to, like, you know, meet, solidify what we're doing for the project. And she was like, so I watched that episode of Riverdale, and um, I think it was too scary. Like, <laughs> this is not the Archie and Jughead that I know. Like, oh, yeah, right. There's also that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of being like, you have to watch this for this reason. And then they're like, I went in there, and there was... A lot of other things as well. Like, oh, I yeah, we've just become numb to it. Yeah, I was like, I forgot. I should have given you so much more context. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I should have clarified. Um, someone not- was dead for a while. Now he's not. And now they're all angry about something. It's everyone got kicked out of prom. It's not an Archie show. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this this anymore. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I so guess. we decided not to. Make our classmates watch the episode. <laughs> they'd have to watch four seasons to figure out what 
happened yes all right okay so now we're gonna step back over the sandbar i was walking today Eric, and I was sidebar it's not o- a sandbar it's a sidebar i was walking today and i was thinking about the oc and there are so many things that seem like they're cw moments they see like seem like they're moments that exist only for drama and no logic but then when like seven episodes pass you realize those cw moments from early on were actually really good like character defining moments and they were telling you about the characters. I'm not sure if this episode will reach that requirement. I thought about this before I watched this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into this episode. Let's do. Because <laughs> this is the OC Season 4, Episode 2, The Gringos. Now, because the OC does like to taunt me specifically, I do have to say, in the flashback, <laughs> it, when they're flashing back to uh, Dr. Roberts meeting with his ex-wife, they literally put in the line, so that's the step monster. So yes, Gloria is the step monster. I do not remember that line from last episode, so I think it was added in re- in retrospect to also explain to maybe everyone who's watching who she was. <laughs> You guys probably forgot her name was Gloria, because this is normal TV that you watch week by week, and TV DVDs are barely a thing. Let us remind you. And maybe I'm wrong, and maybe someone did say, so that's the step monster. But I swear I would remember that, so I like to believe I'm not the only one who didn't get it. And the idea is they put up the episode, and they're like, oh, crap. Okay, quickly into the editing room. Just get someone to record a lot. Someone who sounds like Caitlyn. Could be anyone. Could be anyone. Can someone do a Caitlyn impression? Let's go. <laughs> Who's our youngest writer? Who here sounds like a... 14-year-old girl played by a... 15-year-old girl. Oh, no, she was actually about the right age. Yeah, because then she played Teenager on Gossip Girl and also Teenager on Arrow. We talked about this last week. Yes, we did. Uh, But that will lead us into the uh, beginning of this episode, and we will get a full, real good uh, first scene, essentially. Ryan, he has a bag. He puts things in the bag. Then he calls Julie Cooper. Now... Well, Ryan is calling Julie Cooper to let, him know, let her know that he's leaving, we get Seth calling Summer, who is still on the plane, which means this was very quick. Which also <laughs> means, because it is quickly revealed that this is 6 a.m. Yeah. Why does he know? Oh, wait, she left a voicemail. Well, no, we know she left a voicemail. But he... I'm... I'm... I, well, I don't know who he's calling, for one, because he asked... Oh, if he's they could, calling the airport. Right, he's calling the airport. Um... It, it just seems very f- fast for Ryan. Like, Brian was like, of course, Sandy, I will be there, and I'll move back into the pool house. And then, God, five hours later, it's well, just he, like, I'm leaving. He did the fight. He went to the grave. Yeah, it's true. And he's just been stewing about that all night, and Seth's just been stewing about where Summer is. Now, Seth has been calling the airport on his cell phone, and then he picks up the house phone. To and try I, again, I think? So, the... <laughs> I thought about this. Yeah. He called with a cell phone. Caller ID. He needs to call from a different no, phone number so they'll pick up. That's actually what I was thinking as well. At but, first, though, I was like, what? Why? What is this? <laughs> but because this is 2007, uh, when he when he picks up that, that uh, phone line. He can eavesdrop on his brother's phone call. So now he overhears. And he goes down to see, uh, you know... His Ryan, brother. I guess, before he leaves. Well, he he thinks he'll waylay him before he leaves, but Ryan's busy. He's thought, going to the gym. I thought the pool house had its own phone line. I thought that was a I thing. I thought so, too, but maybe they took it out. 
Well, because he wasn't living there for yeah, so they needed the phone. Five months, like we we can't have this extra phone line there. No one uses it. Like it would really be very useful if this was the main phone. Obviously, that's the reason it wasn't. People forgot about it because it was four years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a quick question for you, Aaron. As Seth goes down to talk to Ryan, yeah, am I insane or is everything a different color? Um, it looks bluer. And I can't tell if I'm mad. I think it's the light. Because let us not forget, this is 6 a.m. in October. Oh, I guess. It should be dark. Maybe they're trying to match the light. Maybe they're doing a really bad night for day. Anyway, uh, Seth, he he tries to get himself involved involved in a tricky way by being like, Hey, Ryan, let me get in your car with you. Yeah, you gotta drive me to the coffee. Mm. I mean, comic book shop that I work at. Yeah, but, you know, Ryan's like, I gotta go to the gym. I gotta go work out. And Seth's like, Cool, so the gym's in Mexico, I just, huh? <laughs> I just got here. I gotta go work out. My emotions, Seth. Anyway. Seth does not fall for his emotions. He's like, cool, so you're going to Mexico, huh? To find Wojciech, huh? Yeah. Should you maybe just call the police, buddy? Uh, R- Ryan is, I guess, floundering here because he's like, no, I'll... I I'll tell the cops. I just, I just gotta gotta I gotta see him first. I need to see him being arrested. Need- so the only way I can see him being arrested is if I'm there first, and then I call the cops when I get there. Seth, I call Sandy or the cops and get him arrested in Mexico. And Seth's like, yeah, I need to be in this car. <laughs> That's clearly not true. Uh, so Seth gets over the car. He he leaves behind a, a little note that he wrote as soon as he figured out what was going on. Seth is weirdly on the ball this episode. Seth has had a lot of time alone with his brain over the past five months. <laughs> it's just well, he's he has he hasn't been smoking pot since, since season he, f- two. No, he's season, season three. Three. He burned down his dad's office. Oh, you're right. Uh, now all maybe he's just been high this entire time because he's very smart this episode. Sure. No, we're at Brown. Uh, we we are introduced immediately to our friend Crunchy Shay Chris. He, I don't know what name we're going to go with him. Crunchy Chris Pratt does a go. real big pretentious rant about college student stuff. The, the first the in the first moment, I don't understand what's going on. It will get explained, but it sounds like he's just talking to a random group of students, telling about, them to think for themselves about nature in general. And part of me just really hoped that he just jumped up on a bench and started shouting in the middle of the quad. And like, yeah, okay, that's about right. Now yeah. he gets distracted in the middle of his crunchy lecture because he sees summer. Yes, and uh, this will sort of explain what this sub-sub-subplot is going to be, which is the Board of Trustees is going to cut down this tree. And uh, he, he has so many feelings, but well, some... They're going to have to... Re- they're going to regret their dollar-driven notion of progress. He shouts to, I think, the people behind him, but they're all on his side, so... He, he just mm. likes to rant, and luckily he has summer. Practical, practical summer. <laughs> which is actually very in character. And she asks him... What his actual tangible physical plan is. <laughs> Which was nothing until Summer got there. And now they're going to have a petition and also do a 24-hour tree set. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Now Summer will help him with this, but first she has to go put down her backpack. <laughs> so she goes to her dorm room. And reveal. <laughs> the greatest reveal. Of all of time. Of all time. Taylor Townsend has arrived in Providence 
it will never be explained how she got there, and in fact will be a joke. Now, it does seem that she got there last night. Yes, she, so which, in she my mind, she saw her at lunch. She saw her at lunch, got on a plane immediately, not checking when Summer was returning, and just was gonna hang out there. Now, she is very tired. She accidentally deleted Summer's voicemail from Seth. She really needs an espresso. <laughs> she also won't, she also doesn't film in on what it says. just says, he, he did leave you a message. And then kind of berates her for the rest of the episode that she didn't, like, respond to the message that she deleted. <laughs> she also is wearing lingerie to sleep in oh, Summer's dorm yeah, bed. Yeah, <laughs> she, she sleeps in lingerie. We'll, we learn many things about Taylor this episode, and it, it's... It's beautiful. But the big thing, the reason she's there, because something huge happened in France. And she was going to go back to tell her mom, but then decided instead she was going to tell her teenage friend. And she almost tells her, but then she gets distracted by the fact that Summer doesn't shave her legs and has crusty black toenail polish on. Yeah. And I, that is wild. It, the, the Yeah. 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 Uh, then in comes Che to sort of... Sweep summer off. Sweep summer off, so Taylor's going to stand awkwardly in her room for the next few hours. Still wearing lingerie. Now, someone who I thought was Dr. Kim, because I forgot what Dr. Kim looked like. No, I... Well, so, what I originally wrote down was, Dr. Kim was was replaced by Tia Carrera. Um, I thought it was Tia Carrera, too. No, it is Tia Carrera. But then I was like, do I just not know what Dr. Kim looks like? It's been a long time since we saw her. No, that is is, is Tia Carrera. Aaron, this is a question I like to ask, weirdly enough, whenever Tia Carrera comes up. Where do you know Tia Carrera from? That TV show where she was an archaeologist. Yeah, Relic Hunter. (laughs) There are two kinds of people in the world. People who know Tia Carrera from Wayne's World... And the people who know Tia Carrera from Relic Hunter. Kevin, I have never seen the entirety of Wayne's World because Wayne's World is only ever shown to me by boys. I'm not going to say men. (laughs) Even if they're 35, boys at parties or in (laughs) hotel rooms. I mean, that's fair. What I do know is that that Relic Hunter was on every morning at 6 (laughs) a.m. So you just watch an episode before you go to high school. Because that's what people wanted, a weird the- <laughs> Ro- Laura Croft ripoff. And in the summer, it was on at like 11. You could watch it in your basement while you <laughs> went on your computer, on your dial-up internet, on your second phone line. <laughs> I know. I, there's, there's shows that I have seen less episodes of that I know more about. I know nothing about Relic Hunter. She had some sidekick buddy with, like, floppy hair. Did he love her? Did he love her blonde friend? Did she have a blonde friend? I don't know. Yeah. Is, are we talking about Relic Hunter or are we talking about Xena? They're very similar shows in many ways. So, Tia Carrera has... She is, she is not Dr. Kim. She's not even the dean. No, well, she is the dean well, of discipline. Sorry, yeah, she's not the headmaster she's the she, she's yeah, she's just, the new dean jack hess yes because now it's no longer a creep i mean we don't know about the t- dean tier carrera she but, could be a creep but finally one of julie cooper's children has been <laughs> drastically skipping school and this very expensive harbor school has called her in to tell her all i can imagine is that because before this there was no dean of discipline and then it was jack hess and now they just got a new dean of discipline in uh who is like now this is absolute nonsense all the stuff that's going on here and i won't stand for it i'm tia carrera this school's ridiculous (laughs) 
my name was mentioned in the credits very early on, and you were trying to figure out where was it going to pop in. Were they going to try to make me Mexican? Because it's about that time where they might try to make her Mexican. But instead, Dean of Discipline. <laughs> instead, I was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now... Caitlin has been skipping school. Caitlin has been doing nonsense things. She doesn't do her assignments. She also flirts with one of the teachers, which Julie excuses because that teacher is short. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you might just think that she's, <laughs> that he was a student. Now, it turns out that Caitlin is extremely smart. Like, yeah. she scores in the top percentile on all of her tests. So things are fine. They're yeah. fine. It doesn't matter that she's also a trash human being. She scores high on her tests. Uh, the Dean of Discipline, Tia Carrera, says, Do you ever talk to your daughter? Do you think maybe she needs some counseling because her sister died? This this is the moment that really cements me in of how much I like this specific Dean of Discipline. Because she locks on to the fact that Julie's spending the entire thing being like, Can I get a... Can I get any sort of, like, phone signal in here? I, I sent a boy to murder another boy, and... <laughs> and Tia Carrera knows immediately. Yeah, she's like, You know what? Maybe what what we actually need is a goofy sitcom <laughs> I comparison. Think you need to spend some time with your living daughter to be a good mother to her. So I'm gonna force the two of you to team up. Team up. You see, there is a clothing drive which will be referenced in other storylines. Uh, that you know, Caitlin, she should go and do it, and also. You should do it, and I can force you to. Because, because I'm Tia Carrera, Dean of Discipline. <laughs> I don't even go to the school. Doesn't matter. Tia Carrera, Dean you're, of Discipline. You're in my office. <laughs> you do what I say. <laughs> While this is going on, Kirsten and Sandy are at home, and they are puzzling. Puzzling over Seth's nonsense note. Yeah, his note sucks. It says four words. <laughs> the first one is angry. angry. Nudfo, chocolate love. And Kirsten. Because she be knows her child. Because she knows Seth. Uh, is like, it's a coded message. And Sandy, because he knows logic, is. I think he just wrote some nonsense and it fell out of his pocket, Kirsten. This is clearly an indie band. Angry Nudfo, chocolate love. I think they. Uh, they probably just do one of the songs in this episode. They're like band of horses. Come on. And Come then on. the phone rings. Yes. Seth did, in fact, write it in code. Uh, it was an anagram that he added a few letters to, to. To make it make sense. So that in case Ryan saw it, which makes no sense, because it went directly from his pocket to a counter after Ryan already chased out. So I don't know what his original plan was with it, because he did write it while he was listening to the... Listening to the phone. So maybe he thought Ryan would hold him down and check all his pockets first. Which is not unreasonable. And then he'd be like, it's an indie brand. Get away from me. Yeah. Uh, but it but it just means Ryan found Voychuk, which, which I mean, I guess, note as for Kirsten. As... Kirsten figures it out. Yeah, so great work, Seth. <laughs> okay, so Angry added a G to it. The nutfo is fine. It's not a word. But the amount of letters you add to Voychuk to make chocolate love... Man, Kirsten, you're good at this game. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Seth effectively just snitches on Ryan that they're down in Mexico. No further information. Hangs no, up his phone. No further information. Just Mexico. The country of Mexico. Which is very near us in California. Yes. 
Now he hangs up his phone and he goes, oh, yeah, just leaving Summer a voicemail, which I thought was really reasonable. <laughs> it was incredibly reasonable, but because Ryan knows Seth, Ryan takes his phone and chucks it in the distance. He just throws it. <laughs> he just throws it. And at first I'm like, Ryan, he already made the call. It's too late. And I was like, oh, he, I guess he would keep making calls and your only way of... <laughs> Dealing with this problem is to chuck it away like Seth can't get access to another phone. Or go after it. You will not go after it. we will discover it is not broken. (laughs) It's not broken and easily found, I imagine. But Ryan says, Seth, you just gotta trust me. I know what I'm doing with this murder plot. Also, you can't keep calling your dad. (laughs) It's just, it's 2007 and that is a time when people, that was the time where still a lot of young people memorize the phone numbers. He knows his parents' phone number. And this isn't like now where cell phones are so ubiquitous that it's imagined that if you don't have your cell phone, honestly trying to get a a phone somewhere is a lot more difficult. There's no pay phones now, but like I'm sure in 2007 there were pay phones in Mexico. He could make a collect call. (laughs) They exist. Yeah. I don't remember well, how to do them, well, but... And also, it's something we'll sort of reveal as we, as we get to it. They go to a hotel. <laughs> I mean, you guys are a motel. It's a uh. hotel. Motel. Holiday Inn. Um, I believe it's called El Royale. Ooh. I, I was Riverdale refer- reference. I was referencing a song. So let's uh, let's head off and see what Caitlin and the ward, the ward boys are doing. The ward boys are shaving each other's chests. Uh, yeah. So... Apparently, their water polo coach said that, which is fine, you know. Yeah, that's accurate. Shape, but I, I highly doubt he said you have to do it for to each other at your friend's house. <laughs> at your friend's house, as they watch it. There are moments in this episode that feels like they brought in a '90s comedian to punch up the script. There, there are some weird, somewhat off-color, even for the times, I think. Yeah, some jokes where you're like, mmm. Yeah, there, there are, this episode will have a lot of gay jokes. Now, Caitlin and the Ward boys will tease each other back and forth about how, whether or not gay dad trumps mom who sleeps with teenage boy. I don't know what they mean by trumps as well. Like, what is, yeah. What, are, what do they mean? <laughs> what, what? You can make more jokes what, about a gay dad than a slutty mom? Yeah, what, like... Like, or, or, or are they trying to say, like, which one is worse to have, gay dad or slutty mom? Because it seems like neither have impacted either of these kids. <laughs> and Luke got past the dad thing pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Everyone did. I almost forgot that that was a... Because mm. doesn't he, he live with his dad now up in Portland? In Portland, up in yeah. the PL. Yeah, I bet he would not be happy to see his brothers uh, taunting their dad. No. Yeah, or Caitlin. He'd bang her mom all over again. And you know what happens? He's going to live in the PL, then he's going to become an orthopedic surgeon, and then he's going to work at Gray Sloan Memorial Hospital. Yeah. It's going to be real hot. Yeah. So uh, the real crux of this scene, other than all the weird comedy elements that will be uh, put in randomly, is that Julie and Kaylin are doing the drive. And that's that. That's that. Also, and also the ward guys will also do the drive because they go wherever Caitlin goes. And Caitlin has not told her mom about Neil yet, which we know. Yes. With more of this whole drive thing going on, Kirsten is throwing out some other jackets. And Sandy's like, what? That's Ryan's. And she's like, yeah, he told me I could do it. This one's mine. Ooh. I love to wear it. That's why you see me wearing it all the time. And she says that. That's why I'm donating it. The- once again, it feels like someone came up and just added in these jokes into the script because they don't 
they don't flow. Now, to be fair, he has worn a leather jacket before because sometimes he does like to be Danny in Greece. Um, Remembering his past, his youth. Yeah, that feels... Okay. We saw it in an episode in, like, season two or something at the bait shop. Remember when that was a set? Yeah, yeah. No, we're going to see a lot of bars this episode. We are not going to see the bait shop. Uh, their their concern, because this is how these scenes will go, a joke and a concern, mm. is that Seth won't call. Gasp. And, of course, we already know that his his phone was thrown, my, my God, a few good meters away. He couldn't, po- <laughs> he couldn't possibly go get it. I mean, I'm, I would I'm, also be afraid that Ryan would drive away without me if I went after my phone. I'm imagining Ryan would be like, don't go pick your phone up. We have some establishing shots. This is Mexico. This is... Oh, no. <laughs> I wrote down the city, but my rating is it's, indecipherable to me. It it, it doesn't. They're, they're at a city in Mexico. Ryan does tell me the last thing that they're going there. Uh, and as soon as they get there, as soon as they get into their... Uh, El Royale Motel. Where, where they are going to have to share a twin-size bed... But they have to stay well, there. We just have to be there for a few hours. So I don't know why they needed but a hotel room. Ryan, I guess, I guess Ryan assumed everything would go better. It doesn't matter. Ryan's immediate thing as soon as he gets there is to leave to ditch Seth. Seth goes into the other room, and Ryan just is, there's no trick. There's no, no. He just goes. No, just Seth makes the foolish decision to not look at Ryan for. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. He's literally still talking to him, just not looking at him. And Ryan just grabs the, the bar's location and leaves. So, Ryan's at the bar. He meets some big guy who stops him from following who he thinks is Voychuk, but it's just another white dude. No. <laughs> just There are a lot of white dudes in this city in Mexico, which makes me think this is a very popular place. People just... Pop over the border. Yeah, and... it must be, like, right there. Kind of like Tijuana, but not Tijuana, because we already did that. Yeah, Voychuk really didn't, like, go... It's not like he went into the weeds somewhere. He just sort of... Yeah, he just sort of <laughs> wandered slightly away. He, he wandered... crossed a border. Yeah. I, I Yeah, sure. I guess I, I got you away. I would say, maybe this is not a cool town to go to. Like, maybe it's not a party town, but... Uh... So Ryan is trying to get the information from the, the this bar owner, the bartender, and he's not giving him anything. We learned that Wojciech was fired, like, I think he's, like, said, like, really not long ago. Like, that day. Yeah, maybe like, yesterday. Like, five hours earlier. And some girl, a girl watches this, and at one point, <laughs> the bar guy is like, hey, you know where she where he went? And the girl looks away. She at, Ryan leaves, and she gets a solid 10-second shot of essentially just like looking after us, being like, "Well, I mean, th- then we 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 obviously know she knows something." She's doing the look where it's like, "Huh, oh, I'm a tertiary character on the show, and eventually I'm g- gonna get a line, and that means I know where he is." I, I, but I'm not a secondary character like that blonde girl that Ryan met when he went to meet his mom. I feel like when they were. When they were editing this, they're like, "Man, we gotta get ten extra seconds into this uh, episode." And they're like, "We'll just hold on the view of we we filmed her for a good thirty minutes, just standing there <laughs> staring off with a nonplussed look on her face. Just, just put in ten seconds of that." If only we had come up with more Ward brother jokes. If, if only we could talk about those incest brothers. Stop making gay jokes about the brothers. It's. We Un- don't. It's unsettling. <laughs> it's unsettling in many, many ways. <laughs> They're twins. 
We are told that they are twins. We have to accept it. <laughs> we have to accept that they are told to us to be twins, despite having completely different hair I wonder, and face structure. No, the Sprouse brothers would have been too young to do this at this time. I also do not want to see them shaving each other. No, no one no. wants that. No. So, meanwhile... We can't say no one wants that, Aaron. It's the internet. That's true. Someone wants that. All right. Meanwhile, as Aaron Back said... Back at Brown, Taylor is just hanging out in Summer's room, puzzling about what she should do. Why does this room have two doors? There's like a hall door and then a door to the room where they did the didgeridoo. Yeah, it's unknowable. Like, why would they have room directly into the common room? And only, a door. And only, only like, that door has a number on it. The outside door is just a weird glass door. I can't, I can't handle this at all. Anyway, this girl comes in, and they told us her name, and I did not Amber. write it down. Amber. Amber is Summer's roommate. Amber, we will learn a lot about in, in, in a short amount of time. To begin with, Amber has a sex wall. To begin with, Taylor Townstead acts like a mom in this scene. She acts like Summer's mom coming to visit her at college. Oh, yeah. I guess that is also a good <laughs> a good thing. Um, but the only one thing I got was that Amber has a sex wall. So Taylor is very upset that Summer doesn't have any pictures of her friends. But Amber has all these pictures of these boys. Yeah, apparently one is her boyfriend. He goes to Penn State. The rest are guys she has done various amounts of sexual stuff. But it's a with- test. It is a sociological study it's, where she sees how people respond to it. It's for her social taboo class to see how people react to a woman being more sexually open. And my response to that is, it's in your room. Who's reacting to it? And also, remember how grossed out we were by the sex ball in the Veronica Mars episode and also the Riverdale episode? I mean, at least, no, at least there's just one person doing their own sex wall to show to summer i guess but a sex wall is no i mean this is college we didn't go to american college but i know people hang out in your dorms well yeah <laughs> yeah but i mean their dorm rooms we know people hang out in the didgeridoo room why is <laughs> it in is, the didgeridoo room it's, it's right next to their room people can see into their room from the didgeridoo room is, is she writing an essay about how her roommate reacts to her constantly putting up the the passed out photo. I mean, it's not all of them passed. Out. Some of them are actually awake. But the some photos, of them are passed out. Yeah, the photos of all the people she has sex with circled around her boyfriend's photo. Look, this is not transgressive. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. This is not transgressive. It's just weird. It's just weird. It's just- and like. I'm sorry, don't take pictures of passed out people after you sleep with them. It's just. It's just I was like, like it's, it's definitely all, all, all portrayed as a joke, but it's so. It's so. Like, weird <laughs> that it becomes even just over the top. Now, this is all a segue <laughs> to Summer being like, yes, Summer doesn't have any pictures. Summer doesn't even have a picture of her boyfriend. And Amber says, her boyfriend? You mean Che? And uh, I don't really want to spoil what comes later, but let's just say Taylor takes this as gospel from this crazy woman. <laughs> no, to be fair, Che maybe wants it. It's... Aaron, I'm not or, sure Che can be can be deemed as any form of sentient being. He may, in fact, be a tree himself. That's true. He may be a... You say a tree. I say a man-child who needs a summer to do all the things he cannot do. He is very early season uh, from Parks and Rec. Oh, and how. But first, Seth, 
goes on a journey. He goes on a journey to find Ryan. Why does he end up in this bar? How does he end up in this bar? Well, he doesn't know where Voychuk works. He just knows he works at a bar at nighttime. That makes a lot more sense. He's just been just going, been to, going bars. to bars. Um, now, this bar has a character that I've been waiting for because here's the thing about this actor and various other things he does. When he appears in the credits for a show, you see it immediately because his name is a name and a letter. It is Steve-O. Steve-O makes an appearance in the OC for this moment to be an insane Marine. <laughs> these marine Marines. These Marines. These Marines. <laughs> yeah. Could not be more drunk. <laughs> and they they're, could not. They're, they're knitting, talking about their grandchildren. Just Marines all over the place. They're also jumping over the moon because I guess we're also including oh, rent. Oh, you went, you went for rent. I went for Maureen's really sounds like an old person name. No, the Maureen's. Now, what I do like about these Marines is that they aren't, like, they are, they are, rock, they are raucous, they are kind of belligerent, but they're, they're all also... Wear, they're all wearing the same t-shirt. But, well, that's because that's how you know that they're all Marines, because um, they're all the same haircut and the same t-shirt. But they're also wildly friendly to Seth. They just want him to be a part of their group. They want to do <laughs> shots, find his friend, get a tattoo, do more <laughs> shots... Maybe his friend comes with them at that point. <laughs> they don't know. I don't know, but this, but <laughs> we will we will cut back to the scene. I think one more time. We will get no more information out of it, other than the fact that, man, these guys are having a great time in this Mexican town, and they love Seth. They're so glad he's there. <laughs> I, do, I like the idea that Seth, who is literally a bully magnet. Uh, is able to make very quick friends with these super drunk Marines. Who you would think would maybe be bullies? Well, in in every other, like, like a bunch of Marines go into a Mexican bar and get really drunk, it, usually that turns out as they're going to start a bar fight with some random person. But this time they just accept him into their fold. <laughs> yeah. We'll see him later. He'll have a Marine t-shirt. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Steve-O will give him his shirt. Now, Caitlin complains to her mom that she cannot do this clothing drive for she must study which is maybe well she does why she does so well in her tests no homework only studying yeah i'm Julie sure that's why with me <laughs> nor does kevin you're giving caitlin a lot of leeway considering what she does to this i really like caitlin and i'm somehow on her side but that's, that's how she gets away with everything you <laughs> i just i feel really really bad for her and I'm not surprised that she is so screwed up. I mean, yeah, there's there's the ability to understand why someone is the way they are and to also be like, now, come on. I just think she she's so young. She has the capacity to get better if someone well, yes, would teach her. <laughs> she needs to get better. And she, then someone... She, she's is, is, is Tia Carrera. Dean of Discipline. Dean of Discipline. Uh, anyway, Caitlin... Not Caitlin. Kirsten comes in to drop off her you know, box of leather jackets. Yeah, we, we get our second, like, weird explanation of coincidence. Because we had that one earlier where where they bring up, like, Taylor, how did you even get there? And then that's unexplained. <laughs> Julia's Kirsten. Yeah, it's Kirsten. Yeah, Kirsten, your kids don't even go here anymore. Why are you here? And Kirsten goes, hmm. Because noopsies? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not insane that Kirsten, who is connected to the school, will drop herself off. So it's weird that they're like... That they make a point of it. But that's just Julie being Julie. Whatever. Kirsten met, mentions that the kids ran off to Mexico, and Julie responds with, What? Seth went too? 
what? what? That's, that's crazy. Why would I don't even, even go to Mexico? The, the, the 90s comedy writer gets his fingers back in there to be like, oh, I'll make a joke about Donkey Show. <laughs> and then Julie gets a phone call. So she goes off and Caitlin <laughs> asks Kirsten what a Donkey Show is. Once again, that just that, that 90s comedian. Just... And Kirsten responds with, you should ask your mom. I'm, I'm actually just trying to figure out because the, the, every joke they put in there sounds like a very old joke, but... but no, they would still be old in 2007. It was still old jokes in 2007. Because they're like Seinfeld-era jokes, yeah. which are like late 90s. I wonder if Jerry Seinfeld got his fingers in here. No, that wouldn't make any sense. They, people don't explain things nearly enough. Hmm. So, Julie, um, the call is from Ryan, obviously. And he explains that Boychuk has been fired, and Julie is devastated. Oh my god, I'm glad you agree. Julie... Julie, this hurts Julie so much that Ryan could not find Wojciech at that very moment that she does not care if Ryan comes back or keeps looking or anything like that. This is the moment she gives up because that boy could not immediately murder that other boy. And now Caitlin sees this and she thinks that Julie found out about Neil. Yeah, maybe that's what Caitlin... Caitlin says it. Oh, okay. I'm I'm mostly I well I think she I I just wrote down that she sees that Julie is sad and feels things. Uh the the amount of times they're doing this everyone just thinks that Julie's constantly finding out <laughs> that Neil's cheating. <laughs> hey Aaron. Hey Kevin. So, uh What'd you get up to this quarantine? Well, this week, as I alluded to during my hops over the sidebars, sandbars. Nope, nope, nope not sandbars. <laughs> Side, they are sidebars. You don't hop them over either. You just turn to them. But please um, continue. I am doing a live project. A live project? I'm doing a project for school. I'm doing a project while I'm alive. You're not wrong. Yeah, I'm correct. Yeah, I'm alive and I'm doing a project. And most of our group, most of our class is grouped with three, but I happen to have a group of just me and my partner. Yeah. And um, we both live in Calgary, and it has been 10 weeks mm-hmm. of stay at home. And so we decided, you know what? It will be so much faster to meet in person yeah. and get this project designed. But of course, in the world of stay at home, you have to take precautions. So I said to her, okay, we'll meet. We have to stay six feet apart. I have a back patio that you can get onto without having to go through my house. So we'll sit on opposite sides of the patio. Yeah. I will, you know, I have this one chair that I never sit on. So I will put on gloves. I'll move that one chair like further away from my chair. I will put like a table in front of you. I'll have a table in front of me. I will sanitize like the outside of my back door, the inside of my back door, because you can go straight from the back door to the bathroom. So if you have to go to the bathroom, you can do that. The bathroom will be all sanitized. Here's a picture of my cleaning product. As you can see, it's a disinfectant. It's safe. I will let my roommate know that like this is happening. I was, I was trying to figure out where on that line of things where I was like being like, all right, that's a little much. And I think it's the photo of the... I think it's the photo of the cleaning well, stuff. Well, I just wanted her to know that it was, like, a real disinfectant. It wasn't, like... Because usually what I clean with is Simple Green, which is, like, yeah. a natural cleaning thing. But it's not a... <laughs> no, I still think that's probably where I would go. All right, I mean... <laughs> well, you know what? I don't know. Like, I know her from school, but I don't know her well enough 
to know that like she would automatically trust that no, that's like fair. the steps I would take would be Realis- realistically she is a stranger. Yeah. yeah, I mean she's a stranger that I've known for a year. Yeah, <laughs> but she's not a person I talk to every week or yeah. So she came over. We did our project. We wanted to meet on my back patio because then we could have access to Wi-Fi. Because mm-hmm. if we went to like a park or something, it would be more challenging. I like the idea of two wheels sitting in a park six feet apart working on a project, though. That's fun. That's a fun yeah. image. And we were originally going to do that until I was like, wait, my back porch is accessible without going through the house. Yeah. <laughs> so this is life now. It was so great. Yeah. Like, yeah, there were a lot of steps and i think eventually we'll all trust that the people we know yeah will take the appropriate steps but like yeah and it was so much better and so much faster than trying to like have a skype phone call and like work on a document when you start talking over each other as you try to and then you like and then it comes no no no, you go first so and then it comes out Have you had any new developments in, like, keeping yourself safe in this stay-at-home order season? I don't go out all that much, honestly. I don't care about people (laughs) coming over either. Uh, I should point out our province is starting to have a relaunch strategy. Um, We can have groups of 50 people outdoors. We can have groups of 15 inside as long as we're practicing social distancing. We have masks. Our mother made us masks. Yeah. She did a lot of research. We have two different styles. Yeah, yeah. So you definitely you could you can put in essentially blue paper towel on the inside. Blue paper towel for those who don't know, shop towels. Yeah, shop towels. They are what our family uses to clean. Yeah, because well, they're tougher. Paper, yeah, paper towel falls apart. It's flimsy. Yeah, so he shop towels for everything. <laughs> we love them. We yeah. get them from. I'm just gonna bleep that out because I don't want to tell. <laughs> You want to advertise for that major? No, they're doing they're doing just fine. I know people are doing exercises in the lineup outside their store, which I don't want. So Taylor Townstead, Townstead, Townsend, Townsend. I don't know why I always say Townstead. He's a football player. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Taylor Townsend goes to visit Summer at the Tree Sit In. Yes, which is where we learn that crunchy Chris Pratt is either a tree or a man-child. <laughs> because at one point, he calls Summer back because he can't handle his own chains. Okay, no, yeah, he's chained to a tree, and he says the chains are coming loose, and I don't know how that... Did, did he? Did you tie them in a knot? How did? No, he, I think he just looped them around himself. Ah, uh, all right. And he there, wants Summer to fix it. <laughs> no, I want to clarify. He has chosen to sit on, like, a, they pulled a bench close to chain himself to it. There's a woman right next to him in, like, the... Because this tree is crooked off the side. It's Shown to the cranny of the tree, almost like suspended by the chains around her. <laughs> so, man, he really, he really just picked himself the best spot. It shows everyone else to just chain themselves to different areas. Well, he's the leader. I really wanted to come up with people just chained to different spots on the tree. <laughs> anyway, Taylor wants to harass Summer. Harass Summer about the fact that, like, she is ignoring, ignoring Seth wildly and filling her life with environmentalism. <laughs> And Che. With this. Which is not wrong. Look upon this. She's like the spirit of Christmas <laughs> Look past. Look upon this wild man that you are filling your life with. Summer has none of that. She will not accept it, but Taylor berates her until Summer calls Seth back. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, as we know, Seth's uh, Seth's phone was thrown a full four meters away, which means that it was picked up by just some Mexican dude. 
and Taylor, who speaks all the languages of the world. Taylor, uh, Tower of Taylor Babylon. Um, She picks up that (laughs) That phone. That wasn't a good joke. Taylor of Babylon? I go with Taylor of Babylon. It's also Babel. No, oh, you're right. It is Babel. Because that's where the uh, Babel fish came from, which our listeners probably don't remember because they're children. Babel fish! No, I know what you mean! You don't have to refer. <sighs> All right. Uh, Sandy and Kirsten are, like, lying in bed talking. The smallest bed ever. Okay, yeah. Are they in a twin-size bed? Like, it looks like they're in a child's double. <laughs> it looks like they're lying in Seth's bed, just being like, hey, you think Seth's gonna call us? Nah, we trust him. Well, he's drinking with those Marines. So they're going to go to Mexico. They're going to go to Mexico. Mexico, where they'll get bigger beds. They'll go to the country of Mexico. This this scene is another scene as if it's written by a 90s comedian. Seth has left his Marine friends. He's finally made his way to the correct bar. By I guess, chance. Because I guess he just... I mean, we do not know how far... How like, how many bars he's gone to. He's definitely very drunk. Now, I would assume... He did get a tattoo. He did do that. Yeah. I would hope that Ryan got a motel near the bar. So hopefully Seth has only been at... Three? A, yeah. Three. Because I don't he, think the Marine Bar was his first bar. No, no. But he did get drunk at the Marine Bar. Oh, he definitely did. So he talks to Big Guy and he's like, I don't want any tequila. I had 17 tequila shots. What I would like is to find Voychuk, who killed a girl. I'm functionally dead, or at least embalmed. But, uh, hey, big guy, I need Voychuk. He killed a girl. Which which makes the the girl, who I think is still cleaning the same table, perk up again. Just like, another thing about Voychuk, he killed a girl. I'm learning things. I'm learning so many things. I will not reappear in this series. But first... I will follow Seth out of this bar and tell him, I know where Voychuk is. If he really killed a girl, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, which point Seth goes, he did. And, and she, she tells goes, him. <laughs> so, the next morning. Zen and Kirsten are in somewhere in Mexico. And you know what? They seem like they're having a great trip. <laughs> they, they do. They do. The, the stark difference between where they are standing, it's like, they're like, we're going to Mexico, and they went to, like, Sandals Resort. Yeah, they drove to Cabo, and they were like, oh, this isn't where the boys are? <laughs> they're not in Cabo? All right. <laughs> we'll just keep hitting, we'll just keep hitting <laughs> resort towns down the coast. Now, at one point, Sandy does say, so what, we're in a foreign country where we don't speak the language? And I'm sorry, I refuse to believe that Sandy Cohen has not learned to speak Spanish. I thought the same thing, and then I remember that he actually, in the grand scheme of things, has not lived in the OC that long. But he is a district attorney, and yeah. I would think he would have learned pretty quickly to... Well, I, yeah, I, I, what I wrote down is that I feel like, feel like he should... Or when he was a public defender, like yeah. well, I feel like he should know how to speak Spanish. It doesn't surprise me he didn't take it because he's from... He's from the East Coast. Yeah, far, far up northeast. But it feels like he should have at least learned how to... I guess he's how, hired... How, how to have, like, basic... Maybe he hired translators, I guess he yeah. hires translators every time and never learned how to do it. That seems very irresponsible for him. And very out of character. Yeah. Kirsten not knowing Spanish, but she apparently took two... Two semesters. semesters in college, which, I'm sorry, I also took two semesters of Spanish in college, and I also took Spanish in high school so I could go to Spain. Yeah. And all I know how to say is the monkey is romantic. 
thought I knew how to say it was a monkey is crazy. Ah, okay, I know how to say that too. Cool. Very useful. Very good. <laughs> Two monkey phrases. Two monkey phrases. Uh, meanwhile, Seth is hungover. He's in the hotel room. Yep. He's calling down to the front desk, being like, hey, did my friend come back? I'm a- in the room with no broken windows. Did you say with no broken windows? Well, I started I to say the room with no windows, and then I corrected no, two broken windows. No, I'm. I thought he said I'm in the room with no windows. That's what I thought so too. And then I no, thought that, that is what he be. said, Aaron. Because but there's a window behind him. I think he means they're broken. Aaron, he says I'm in the room with no windows. Anyway. Oh, you're right. Oh, that's what you mean. That they are broken windows. They look fine behind him. Yeah, everything seems fine, but Ryan did not come Saying home. Saying I'm in the room with no without windows as he sits below a window is just rife for <laughs> misunderstandings. And you know what? The Mexicans do not understand him. And I can't get into this right now. And then he asks to call America, and they don't. Yeah, they do. They call America? He calls his parents. <laughs> Oh, I didn't realize that that was calling America. Because <laughs> they were in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they call the White House. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, it's also morning in Providence, Rhode Island. And Taylor Townsend bought an espresso machine. Not really how time works. Early, early morning in California, mid-morning in Providence, Rhode Island. I mean, unless... Yeah, that's what I'm getting. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know their time zone, but I assume it's three hours different. So yeah. six to nine? Doesn't really matter. Honestly, these these plot lines could have happened in different episodes and it really I mean, that would have been wouldn't make story sense, but time sense, time doesn't matter. Time is fluid. Taylor enjoys her espresso. She also talks to Miguel on the phone. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, she she she's helping him. She Mi- Taylor is a, a helping person. He's having trouble with his wife. But anyway, no time for that. And Summer's like, Why are you doing this? And Taylor says, Summer I realize you need help more than I do. You're replacing Seth with Che. You're hiding behind all this environmentalism to avoid your emotions, which is all accurate. Yeah. But Summer does not like this. Well, because she's like, you're also ignoring your problems. You came here and told me I have a problem and then never explained what it was. And Taylor says, yes, because I was helping you. Now, what I would have told you... (laughs) Wait. Now that I know that I can't help you, <laughs> I'm what leaving. I would have told you if you had talked to me for longer than 30 seconds before going to a tree is that I got married in France and now I have to divorce my France husband and now I'm leaving. So you would have loved my story, but I have to leave. Now, you would have loved my plot line, Summer, but instead we had to do your stupid one with a tree. So I am leaving. I When, when Taylor did say I, something huge happened, I'm like, she's not pregnant not because she doesn't look pregnant but because they've already done that storyline before and they gave her the um public service announcement about how teen pregnancy seems really fun but it's not yeah i'm like no 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 it's got to be marriage it's got to be a goofy i got married in a foreign country thing so nailed it great work kevin (laughs) yeah this yeah i got it meanwhile back in mexico ryan arrives at the hotel room and Seth asks Ryan if he killed Wojciech, because that was Ryan's plan, right? Not the dumb police Sandy plan that Ryan lied about. Yeah, really, Seth, now that Seth knows that he has the information and Ryan doesn't, boy, does he 
big dog on Ryan. You know what? Ryan needs to be big dog on d- big dogged on this season. <laughs> yeah, it's not a, it's not an easy thing to say to do to someone. No. But sometimes you got to say sometimes you got to be, be be big dog on. Because Ryan is being a little boy this season. <laughs> little boy who needs a someone to be a big dog on him. Man, that's that's like a tongue twister. Yeah, it's wild. We should not have started Someone it. should unleash that big dog on that boy. No. Mm. No. So Ryan explains that he did not find Voychuk, but he won't leave until he finds him. Which I guess means he just wandered the streets all night going, you know Voychuk? Hey, you know Voychuk? Hey, have you seen a blonde man? You, no, you... not me. <laughs> not the guy who works at the insert name of bar here. Have, have you seen... An angry-looking blonde white guy with Tat- a li- tattoos <laughs> with a little bit of stubble. No, not me. I'm not describing me. Uh, he he sort of like plays tough, but is really sensitive on the inside. No, no, not me. Stop pointing at me. Still not me. He he was a vampire. No, I don't play a vampire. I play I, a cop. I've never played a vampire. I've never played a vampire. What are you talking about? Only cops. Only I only ever play cops. Including right now. <laughs> right now I'm a cop. Huh. Stop so, pointing at me. So Seth finally says, Hey Ryan, maybe if you don't kill Voychuk, I'll tell you where he is. Yeah, I'll tell you where he is. If you don't that is that is the deal. If you promise you won't kill him, I'll tell you where he is. Seems like a good deal. Now Seth does break before that. So Ryan should have known something was up, is all I'm saying. Meanwhile, Julie Cooper watches cops. This is a segue. Is, well, now, I have a question. Is this intercut supposed to imply that Ryan, like, was supposed to make you think for a moment that Ryan got in a shootout? Yes, it was. Okay. But it didn't work. <laughs> well, no, because it just confused me because Ryan's like, all right, fine. I'm going to I'm gonna go find Voychuk. Cut to, like, guns firing and police shooting. And, like, night vision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, no, it's just Julie watching uh, wild cop reality show. Eating powder donuts, talking about how the world is an amoral toilet dump. Which is not appropriate to say to your (laughs) 15-year-old, even if your other child dies. Yeah, she's... And Caitlin does point out that Julie has been more or less catatonic for 18 hours. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, I excuse Caitlin's behavior. No one has ever taught her anything. (laughs) She has had no morals and no parenting in her entire life. I mean, I I agree. She has been a secondary character who cast off side when they didn't want anything to do with her. Her mom is a dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, she, She learned things on the mean streets of... That place she went to boarding school. Elsewhere in California. Now, Caitlin explains to her mother that she is going to the clothing drive because she still has a life and she has still has to own up to her responsibilities, even if they suck. Now, I love this scene right here because I like the idea of Caitlin being altruistic to taunt her mother. And I wish that's how that storyline went. <laughs> yeah, well, I just love the idea of being like, well, unlike you, I have to go and help other people because you won't help me. Being like selfishly selfless. <laughs> Whereas, like, just, just, just a clown on my mom. I'm gonna donate to charity. Unlike you, mom, I'm a good person. Yeah, it <laughs> sort of, sort of being like Britta from um, from Community, <laughs> except for in a drama. So yeah. it would be weird. Meanwhile, 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 
Ryan goes to Leonardo's. Meanwhile, 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 meanwhile. What are you saying? <laughs> Voychuk drinks and smokes in the back of Leonardo's? No, this is not the back of Leonardo's. Voychuk is in a different place than Ryan. <laughs> I mean, because I watched it, I know what you're saying. But you just constantly saying Leonardo's made me... The name of the place is Leonardo's? Yeah. I refuse to believe there is a bar in this tiny Mexican town named after either a turtle <laughs> or an Italian guy. I wrote it down because it seemed important when I thought they were in the same place. Well, I mean, yeah, it's set up to, like, hey, Ryan's going to knock on the door. It's all set up like he might be about to have a daredevil hallway fight. He does not have a daredevil hallway fight, and I will never forgive the show for not giving me that. He goes into an empty room, and the knock on Voychuk's door? It's Seth. How did this ha- How did this happen? Yeah, I don't know how Seth prepped for this. Like, how he had an alternative address on a piece of paper in his pocket is wild. So Seth uh, is talking to Voychuk, and I... This, I, I couldn't pay attention to the scene because it just reminds me of something we talked about this entire series that made me very sad. Remember how we talked about this entire series of how I wanted more Seth and Marissa? Because mm. we hear that they grew up together, they've lived beside each other for years. In this scene, it it feels... Seth seems dispassionate. He's there for Ryan, not for Marissa. Yeah, he gives... No, he's, he, he's like, I'm just... I, I don't want Ryan to kill you, man, because Ryan will get in trouble. And like... You know, I'm just worried about Ryan, worried about Ryan. I'm like, it, it, it sucks that he doesn't even have a moment of, like, Mar- I've known Marissa since I was five. I, I almost think it would it would have been a cool turn out for this. It was like, oh, Ryan. Ryan's going to, you know, he's going to beat up Vojcik. He's going to be in trouble with Vojcik. And then Seth just, like, kicks the hell out of him. I think, I don't know that I necessarily would have wanted Seth to beat up boy Chuck. No, I know. But, but I would have liked some sort of expression or communication of his own grief. And then him saying, but I realize that killing you is not going to make this better. She will always be dead. Or even a, a cool use of the storyline would be the revelation of that Seth. I mean, and Blavi requires, I really think, seeing stuff earlier on. That but really... That that he did that he does he also is struggling over because he seems to be the only one who has no grief. His <laughs> grief is for the things he's lost from Summer and Ryan. Yeah. Whereas Ryan and Summer have grief over losing Marissa. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's it's just interesting because we've talked through, from doing three seasons of uh, Moa through this. We've talked repeatedly how much we wanted to see Seth and Marissa have more of a friendly relationship and this just sort of was the moment where i'm like yeah they really don't care but part of seth's thing is seth has always been very clinical and very about the rules Mm -hmm. so he may if we're going to give the show the benefit of the doubt he may be distancing himself he keeps saying i want you to turn yourself into my dad yeah my dad will make sure it'll be the best it can be. Yeah, like it, it seems like the, you can take it in a way where it's just him being like, I want all this to be done and everything to be over. Which is very Seth. Yeah. Um, really, that's going to have to come out in later episodes, maybe. Voychuk um, does not trust Seth, so he's just going to leave. And yeah. Seth is giving him the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Uh, we're going to cut back in uh, up to Providence, where Taylor politely cries in the airport. And uh, Summer arrives. 
This is before security. Summer wanted to apologize to Taylor. Instead, Taylor just vomits an apology all over <laughs> well, Summer. Well, so, like, Taylor's sitting there, rigid upright, slowly patting her, like, the outside of her eye with a, uh, <laughs> with, you know, just trying to get the tears out without smudging her makeup. Uh, and then <laughs> she's like, no, I'm fine. I don't even care. I don't even care. Taylor, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. <laughs> It's a pretty great moment. Now, Taylor convinces Summer to talk to Seth, and Taylor reveals to Summer that the marriage is real, and we have lots of fun little reveals, like Ethan Hawke was at the pre-wedding party because her husband translated one of his books as a joke. Yeah, I can't get over that that bit that some... this, this Doesn't this episode feel more like the episode of a sitcom, just with just portrayed super dramatically, like the just the line that he translated Ethan Hawke's book as a joke, which Ethan Hawke went then went to his wedding's rehearsal show. Don't tell Ethan Hawke it was a joke, though. I mean, it's Taylor. Taylor had a threesome <laughs> with Big Korea and Sung Yu, and then she went there and built orphanages or something. No, I mean, if there's anyone to do it through, it's Taylor. But but the girls hug. They resolve to resolve their situations. Yeah. And Taylor heads back to Newport. Speaking of Newport, the War <laughs> Twins are wearing the leather jackets that Kirsten donated. <laughs> yep. They stole them from the donation bins. Yeah. Uh, Julie arrives to you know kind of apologize to Caitlin and. But she's waylaid by <laughs> Tia Carrera, Dean of Discipline. Because, as it turns out, uh, another noopsie has discovered that some of the clothing that was donated to this, you know, Sudanese refugee donation drive was at a used clothing store. Now, to be fair, I wish the storyline had been that Julie suspected Caitlin, but it was the Ward boys. But no, it was Caitlyn. Of course, the Ward boys can't do anything, Aaron. They just shut down when Caitlyn's not around. It's way too late in the episode for Julie to misinterpret Caitlyn's <laughs> reasons for doing things. I wanted a better word than that, but... No, Aaron, you're the reason Caitlyn keeps getting away with things. Like, no, clearly it must be those two, those two genius boys over there. They're making Caitlyn... They're, they're turning Caitlyn bad. I don't think they're turning Caitlyn bad. No, they're not turning Caitlyn bad. I just, I would have liked for everyone to assume Caitlyn was bad and it was someone else. But that's a storyline <laughs> for a different episode. Like when they thought that Trey stole that watch, but someone else stole that watch. No, and Aaron, then Trey bought that watch to give to Ryan. No, Aaron, this would only work if they thought that Caitlyn stole the clothes. And then later she does, there are clothes at a store, but she put them there as a fun reminder of the time they thought that she stole clothes. It's too late in this episode for the storyline. So. Now here's a little montage where Summer tries to write a letter to Seth because... Uh, Taylor told her, if you can't talk to Seth, like, write him a letter. I don't know. Yeah. But Summer can't. She yeah. can't put into words why she's done what she's done. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty much it. She does love him, but she can't. She's grieving. Huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Meanwhile, Seth drives Sandy home because the parents are tired, I guess. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, yeah, they're just like, I don't want to drive, man. And Sandy tells Seth that he... We went to Cabo and we went to Sandals. <laughs> Sandals is not a place. We had so many free drinks, Seth. <laughs> and Seth explains, well, this is really hard. And Sandy says, hey, you did the right thing. And Seth says, 
but I betrayed my best friend. Well, you saved his life, and someday he may figure that out. Meanwhile, in the other vehicle... Ryan drives Kirsten home, and Kirsten is basically like, well... You've wormed your way into my life, and now I have two kids to worry about. <laughs> I have two dumb children to worry about. Summer cannot write the letter, so she goes to join Trey. 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 Shay at the tree. But they saved the tree. But maybe they should be with the tree in peace times, too. So, Man, that makes no sense if you have not seen this episode. Basically, Summer needs to get away from her letter, so yeah. she talks him around. <laughs> she convinces. She convinces. Uh, Crunchy Chris Pratt that to go back to the tree. That sometimes you you can't just be with someone during the bad times. Sometimes you have to be with them during the good times as well. She takes nothing from that. But they do go to that tree. They do hang up below the tree. She she did say she hated sleeping outside though because grass is scratchy and you can't turn off the stars. And which means I guess Summer needs to sleep in the pitch black darkness. So do I, and that's why I have a sleep mask, Summer. I was like the idea that someone's like, no, I need to sleep in the complete darkness. No light at all. I need to feel the darkness around me before the rage comes in. I can't be with my thoughts, Taylor. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sandy discovers Seth's tattoo. <laughs> is the name of this episode going to be Meanwhile? You've meanwhiled a lot this There's episode. There's a lot of things happening at once. <laughs> um, Seth's tattoo is of Senorita Vixen. <laughs> yeah. Which is Miss Vixen. But Spanish. Yeah. I don't know if that's implying there is a Spanish translation of, <laughs> of Atomic, of Atomic County. County or if you went to the, the tattoo parlor. And drew it. And drew it for all of the Marines to get it tattooed on them. Because it is clarified other Marines got the same they, tattoo. They all have the same tattoo. Now Sandy likes Seth's tattoo, but he also muses, well, why would Ryan go to Mexico? That involves a private investigator. Well, he just he just he doesn't understand how Ryan, he how Ryan like got that first step, and he and then he looks at his watch and goes, "Oh man, we have like five minutes left in this episode. Um, I know who it is. Let's just." I mean, I wish I had been been in the scene with Kirsten where Julie was really weird about Mexico, but I yeah. guess we'll just assume Kirsten told me. Yeah, let's just say that I, I know what it is because, man, we do not have the time. We spent ten seconds looking at that woman stare at Ryan, so we gotta go. Julie ga- grounds Caitlin. Caitlin rightfully points out that Somalian refugees do not want their Manolo Blahniks. No, it's it's true. And they should definitely just donate money. Yeah. Though, I mean, at the very least, they could, like, the, the, the idea is they take those clothes as donations, and then they resell the clothes, and then they use that money to send to the... I mean, that's what they should do. Yeah. That's not what I think the noopsies are doing. It, yeah. It, no way to tell. But but that, Ka- that, doesn't, that doesn't exactly qualify for Kayla to be like, so I stole all the stuff. Yes. Caitlin is objectively correct, but subjectively doing things for the wrong well, reasons. And also, she does not know she's correct. I know. Wasn't it irritating? <laughs> because Julie goes, well, Kaylin does say, like, I heard that there's actually, uh, you know, warehouses full of them in New Jersey, and they don't need the clothes. I'm like, that's, yeah, she made that up, and she did make it up, but it sounds but, real. But, like, definitely. Also might be real. Definitely they don't need these white women's yeah. no. glasses and cast-offs that are not practical. No, you take the donations, you sell it, you use that money, because you have to trick people into being good people. That's how it works. 
But, uh, so Julie responds to this by saying, Caitlin, I can't do this. You can't be a bad child. You have to help me, which is objectively a horrible thing for a mother to say to a child. Even though she's grieving, she sucks. Yeah, no, I mean, this is no surprise that Julie, Julie has not, never been able to deal with any situation. And, like, Marissa turned out mostly okay sometimes by a wild fluke well, because she well, because, got to hang out with her dad sometimes. Well, the reason she turned out fine is because Jimmy Cooper, before the show started, was actually a good guy. But Caitlin was a baby mm-hmm. who did not get that Jimmy well, Cooper influence. Well, and also, the way that they described it, it really seems like Jimmy raised Marissa and Julie raised Caitlin. So it makes sense that neither of them really knows how to process, process with... Not even grief. Any emotion. They don't know how to process any emotion. So Caitlin suggests to her mom, okay, let's hang out together and I'll I'll make you ice cream. And then Julie gets a phone call from someone and runs off into the night. So, they do, hey, cool. They, they do have that moment where they look back and stare at each other like, everything's gonna be okay. It's not. And then after Julie leaves, Caitlin takes off her giant hoodie and she's wearing like 96 shirts. Yeah. So, so the call she got that made her run off immediately was from Sandy. And Sandy calls her on her bullshit. Oh, he's so angry. And the only thing that Julie could throw back at him is, well, at least you still have all your kids. Shut up, Julie I really Cooper. wanted Sandy to turn back and be like, you still have one. Maybe you should maybe, raise your one child. Maybe, maybe you should care about the child you have alive. Instead of throwing her away like all the refuse. Like you did Marissa a lot of times. Yeah. So then there's a very... Julie, sh- Julie is... the is I, I wrote this phrase down. Julie's a fair weather parrot. She only likes it when she's sad and her children can be ornaments around her. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Or when they can have fun shopping trips. <laughs> God. True. I hated Julie first season and then I like slowly started to warm to her as she learned. I hate julie this season i know she's grieving but her grieving sucks i I will say that at least i it is not i don't think it's portrayed as her grieving is also healthy in any way i'm i'm certain that we'll get she'll get uh a learning and growing episode or two yeah yeah it's it's just this just this has been Julie's thing. It's no surprise. She's garbage, and that's the way she is. Yeah. Meanwhile, Seth and Kirsten have a short conversation about the drive home, but most importantly, Seth decides to swallow his pride, swallow his fear, and go and visit Ryan in the pool house and talk about what he did. But oh my god, as he walks up, <laughs> Ryan is doing something he barely does. He's closing the blinds. And he also locked the pool house. They look at each other across this wide distance of only as far as a man could throw a phone. (laughs) And the blinds close and the episode closes. So, Aaron. So, Kevin. Though this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic drove down to Mexico thinking they could avenge a death, but then just ended up having some fun on the beach at Sandals? I did. And while I could pick one of the many Ward Twins moments, and initially I thought I would, the moment I settled on is a tiny one-liner. Sure. And why was that line included? Only for drama. 
Seth comes into Voychuk's apartment. He says, Voychuk, this girl told me where you were. And Voychuk responds, that girl's boyfriend wants to kill me. He's <laughs> just reminding us, don't forget, Voychuk's scum. He did us something. <laughs> that, Why does that, it... that, 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 that woman was going to protect him until she learned he, ki- she, he killed a girl. Even though she, she he's so charming. <laughs> sure. Uh, boy, when he answers that first door, I couldn't tell if his eyes were open or not. I don't, I don't know if he's supposed to be portraying drunk or stoned or something. Both. But he's so weird. Voychuk, you know, that sexy guy who works at your restaurant, lurks up behind you and says, Hey, so, uh, it's New Year's. <laughs> you want to join me and Paulo at the bar? <laughs> we can have some New Year's shots so you don't have to go home and, uh be alone on new year's yeah he's just he's not he's not a charismatic man but he is present he's always there <laughs> he just knows how to be around until eventually someone breaks down eventually he lifts up his shirt and you're like oh yeah abs like, all right fine yeah i feel whatever. bad about myself tonight like, oh, on new year's yeah whatever hey kevin did you find a cw moment i did and it's Similar to the moment, um, we talked about a lot of these moments as we were going through. We talked about Taylor um, almost telling Summer that getting waylaid by really nothing. Yeah. Um, but I think the most dramatic moment that doesn't make any logical sense was Seth's entire plan for Ryan. So mm. he gave him a fake address and told him, go into the back room, which means... Did he just luck out that, that his, there was a back room? <laughs> his had a back room, or did Seth do a lot of recon? Yeah, he he found the one Italian bar in Mexico. And at what point did Seth decide this will be my plan? Did he have two notes in his pockets, one with the truth, one with a lie? I think he probably just didn't write down the true one. That's fair. If, if, I, I the one thing I will give to Seth this episode is that he is acting uncharacteristically. Aware? Aware. Like, the fact that he heard the call, and he, um, as soon as he hears the call, he immediately starts writing down an anagram note. Because the first thing he writes down is angry. We see him write down angry. Mm-hmm. So, it wouldn't make sense to me that, like, like you know, he he, want, he wanted to gauge how Ryan, like, would Ryan immediately be like, alright, fine, you can come with me, I won't kill him. Or was he like, I need a backup plan? Now, we were suspicious about how Sandy knew how Ryan needed to go to Mexico. Yeah. He was in the car with Seth. Seth did tell him immediately. But uh, Seth knows that Julie sent Ryan to Mexico. I will, no, I mean, that's how it's assured. That's how we know for sure. But it's, but oh, <laughs> it's it weird. But they Sandy they, jumping to there. Well, you know, they set it up that Sandy, they set it up that Sandy figured it out but you know how that scene scene went sandy goes i was just i was trying to think of how did ryan know to go to mexico and my mind just kept going back to one person oh that's true he did say that <laughs> just just kept kept going back to one person it would have been nice J- though jimmy <laughs> cooper and uh, no it was julie it was fully i completely forgot to tell you it was julie julie i, cooper. I heard them on the phone <laughs> oh yeah that's that's also what i was thinking also, I mean, I would think that Seth would have told them that during his initial phone call. No, so. he did it. They, they for some reason, put in a plot moment where where Sandy had to decipher out it was Julie when he didn't need to. He was talking to the person who, who knew. knows. He he should have just been like, 
how did Ryan know to go? And Seth could be like, Dad. I have to tell you something. Cut. <laughs> Instead. <laughs> what? Sandy's just so smart, Kevin. He's just so or smart. Or is Seth so dumb he did not know the voice on the other end of the line? Ooh. I don't know, Dad. It was some mysterious woman. I never heard her voice before, except for every day of my life growing up. She was always squawking, squawking at her children. <laughs> Marissa, why are you playing in the pool? <laughs> he, does... <laughs> he doesn't seem like the kind of man to describe a woman as shrill. Caitlin, Caitlin, we have to go see your horse. Caitlin, your naked horse is <laughs> time to go see a naked horse. No wonder Caitlin is so screwed up. She had a naked horse. Yes, yes. It, it wasn't the absolute disregard of both her parents. I mean, no one talks about the fact, everyone talks about the fact that Jimmy left Marissa. He also left Caitlin. And, and he, 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 he never let Caitlin live on his houseboat. He, he is clearly proven in multiple different situations that he does not care about Caitlin. I think he forgets Caitlin exists. Yeah, we all forget Caitlin exists from time to time. But now he can because she's in. She's here in front of us. She's here. She's in the show. She's a character. <sighs> And we will have to be back with the show next week. But for now... Uh, Tell us how you felt yeah. about this episode. Did you feel like this episode was totally weird? <laughs> Just tell us on the social meds, Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA on Instagram, on Twitter... Or through email, podcastmoa at gmail.com. Do you think they got a response? People would be like, oh, I'm just worried the season four is going to be so dark. It's going to be way too dark. So they're like, all right, just put some random jokes in there. It doesn't matter what they are. They preemptively worried about it, and <laughs> they did a thing. Yep, yep. Uh, but we'll have to see how this continues next week. On Mystery Outsiders Nab. No! Will Ryan ever forgive Seth? Can Summer ever share her emotions? Who next needs the big dog done, done, done on them? For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. The Big Dog Podcast. Teen Drama Pet. Hmm? Done. CS. Yes.